0: How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the special edition of the Third Line Plug Cast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jancy. Tim,
1: how's it going, sir? Pretty good. And I think, as I said on a previous interview, it's warm here
0: now. Really? What is it today?
1: Uh, it's like 20 degrees. That's
0: not too bad, man. considering some of the weather you guys have gotten the last couple of months. (laughs) Even the last
1: couple of weeks.
0: Oh, you know it, bud. So, you know, Tim, I remember when we were in your parents' basement doing some practice episodes, getting ready to do the show full-time last summer, and we talked about some people we would love to have on the show if we ever got to a point where we could. Well, I am proud to say we finally get to cross one of those names off the list here tonight. You may know our guest this week from his work with the Sens blog, Silver7Sens. You may also know him as the host of the Sens talk show, Cosper Pointcast, which has featured such guests as Ian Mendez, Travis Yeo, Callum Frazier, and HockeyViz.com creator, Micah Blake-McCurdy. However, we'd like to think we know him as our guest here on the Third Line Plug Sens Ladies and gentlemen, joining us from Richmond, British Columbia, the entertainment capital of Metro Vancouver, our guest, Trevor Shackles. Trevor, welcome to the Third Line Plug Sens Cast. How are you going, man?
2: Pretty good, guys. That's uh, that's quite the intro. I, I'm pretty honored to say that uh, you that I my name was on your list. So uh, that's pretty exciting.
1: It's kind of funny because that list didn't even include Brian last summer. Well, now Sorry, it
2: does. Brian <laughs> was he one of your last guests?
1: No, no, we never. We still haven't gotten
0: Brian.
2: Okay. <laughs> well, I'm sure they we'll get him eventually.
0: Oh, I hope so.
1: We'll just have to go to the lickbo
0: Yeah, maybe we'll have to get a get a hold of uh, Assistant Larry. Yeah. So Trevor, to label this past season for the Senators as tumultuous has been a complete understatement, with the season having more lows than highs that range from losing fan favourites like Clark MacArthur, Mark Mathot, Kyle Turris, inconsistent play all around, questionable line combos, and the PR nightmare caused by Eugene Melnick that ranged from threats from moving the team during the alumni game to almost seeing Eric Carlson being shipped out of Ottawa. So, for you, as both a fan and somebody who covers the team, has this season been the toughest season to follow that you can recall in recent memory?
2: Yeah, it's not even close. I, I mean, I've I really—I'm obviously still pretty young. I've really been following the team since, I guess, early two thousands. So I can't say that I was there for you know the first few seasons when they were an expansion team. But I think, I think this season would even be tougher than those seasons, because those seasons, there were no expectations. You know, people knew that they weren't going to be good for the first few years, and really, it was pretty much like the first five years, they were bad. So, with this season, though, it just, you know, after coming off of uh, a loss in the conference finals, you know, people were hoping that maybe they could, you know, get some more additions and, and add to the core that this team has. And, you know, they at least expected a playoff appearance and some linear progression, and as we've seen, you know, pretty much every time they make the playoffs, you know, in the past seven, eight years, the following season they miss. So it, it's pretty disheartening, um, especially with the stuff off the ice. And that's why it makes this season so much worse, just because of all the, the Melnick out stuff. And I, I just don't see a clear direction with this team. And that could change as, you know, super quickly if, if Eric Carlson is re signed. I'm just. I I just don't have much faith in this organization right now.
0: No, neither do I. And even at the beginning of the season, like I knew the Sens would take a step back when they didn't get someone to replace Mark Mathot and then what happened with Clark MacArthur.
1: Right. So,
0: but I considered, like, really going into the season, I thought, okay, yeah, we're going to take a step back, but I did still see Ottawa as a playoff team regardless of some of the problems on the ice.
2: No, totally. It, it was, I believe... I did predict them to make the playoffs. I kind of flip-flopped back and forth. I wasn't totally sure, um, but I think I probably had them as third or fourth in the division. Um, Either way, it wasn't, you know, pretty much every year everyone said it's going to be hard for the Senators to ever truly bottom out while Eric Carlson is on the team, and somehow they they found a way to do it.
0: Oh, for sure. So something I've always wanted to know. Now, you are born and raised in British Columbia, correct? (laughs) Yes, Okay, so how did you become a fan of the Ottawa Senators? I know for Tim and myself, we both have our own stories of how we became fans, and ultimately because of our fandom, we became good friends and later started this podcast together. So for you, were you always attracted to the Senators in some way, or did you just one day decide to be a sense fan?
2: That's funny. You know, I figured this question was going to be coming. Um, so, yeah, I was I'm born in 96. When I was really little, that's when the Senators were becoming very good, obviously with those those scenes with Alfredson and um, Yashin and Laleem and later on Spetza, Havlat, Hosa, all those guys. Um, and I think I must have been, I don't know, four or five. And I can just I had this clear memory in my in my brain of watching the senators. And I can actually kinda remember Patrick Laleem. So I think that's just kind of my first hockey memory. And I think just as a little kid, you 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 know, you see something that you like on TV and it just it sticks in your brain, and, and I stuck with that team. And I don't know. I just – I don't know why I stuck with the, the Senators specifically because I know other kids who have had multiple um, favorite teams besides the Canucks. You know, All of a sudden, they're a Penguins fan. Next year, they're, they're a Bruins fan, all that stuff. So, I don't know. I just felt like I should stick with them. And, yeah, they've been my team since I was about four or five.
0: Right on. Yeah, I know. I was the exact same way when I was a kid. Like, even though I – for the most part, was a Canucks fan. I supported Colorado because I was a huge Joe Sakic fan. I was born into a yeah. Bruins supporting family, so yeah, I totally get that. And for me, I think it had more to do with the fact that my oldest brother's a Toronto fan, and I was always <laughs> attracted to the centers because I always liked Marian Hossa. I thought, man, this guy's so incredible, and I thought the jerseys were cool. And and I know. Um, a certain other Sense blogger was attracted to Sense because of Mister Radic Bonk, because I, I just thought that name was so cool. Like, come on, <laughs> wouldn't you love to have a guy in your team whose last name is Bonk?
2: Of course, how could you not?
0: <laughs> I know, and at the moment I'm just looking over here to this uh, signed jersey that I know he doesn't have. So, <laughs> oh, that's cold. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> you know,
2: All it's right. funny though that you mentioned the the thing about Toronto and your brother. That's kind of why. The relationship with the Leafs is kind of why I became, or sorry, why I started following the Senators a lot more. In 05-06, I was like, the the year after the lockout, that was the first year where I really started following like actually every single game. I wasn't able to watch every single game at that point, but, um, you know, because the internet didn't always have streams of of games and all that stuff. But um, a classmate of mine, actually, he was a big Leafs fan too, so that was, I just wanted to rub it in his face every time they won. And that was the year, actually. Uh, the Senators went 7-1 and against the Leafs. And the only time they ever lost was the very last game of the season. So that was just awesome being able to, you know, walk into class uh, after they'd beaten the Leafs like 7-1 to on Saturday or something like that. So that was definitely fun.
0: Yeah, that's funny. That was the year that I started cheering for the Ottawa Senators as well.
2: Okay, interesting. Nice. nice.
0: So let's talk a little bit about your blogging career. How did you become a sentence blogger? Was a career in sports journalism something you always wanted to get into? Or did you see someone do it first and went, hey, if this person can do it, so can I?
2: Right, yeah. So in grade 12, a buddy of mine started writing. Actually, he probably even started in grade 11. Um, but he started writing for fans I did on – he was writing for a couple NBA teams. I think it was – I want to say, yeah, it was Memphis and I'm I'm blanking on the other team, but anyway, he started writing about them and, you know, and then in grade 12, I started thinking, you know, why, why can't I do this? So there was a new, a new site that, so Richard Cloutier was an Edmonton Oilers blogger on Hockey Buzz. Uh, He was starting his own new site called Puck Rant. Uh, if, If anyone's ever heard of that, that is wild because there's no evidence of it anymore. Somehow it's, I, I, I left the site before it, it um, you know, went extinct. But for some reason, there's just like no evidence <laughs> it ever existed almost. But so I started there and I actually not every team was available. Like he wanted every team to be covered. So um, you know, there, there was about 30 writers or so. And the Sharks were one of the few teams that were available. Audible wasn't. So I thought, well, you know, Sharks are a good team. So um, I actually wrote about the Sharks for almost a season and then in first year of university, um, I started writing for Send Shot. Um, and then a year after that, I came on Silver 7 Sens. So, yeah, I think, I think once I started writing, I realized that it was a lot of fun. And, you know, even if it's, it's not... You're not getting, like, a ton of money or anything, but I think it's, it's just nice to, you know, consistently put out your thoughts and, and see what people have to say about it. There's, people are always going to disagree with me. And, you know, uh, I guess... If you've read my stuff over the years, maybe some people could say I'm a bit of, I'm a, bit of a pessimist. But, you know, I, I I find writing a lot of fun. And, you know, I get to do stuff like this, like get to get do interviews with you guys.
0: That's awesome, man. Because I know even when I met you there a couple of years back and I was flirting with the idea of becoming a blogger. And I think you were the only person I ever told about my aspirations or at the time that aspiration to become a sense blogger. And I think I, you were the person I mentioned, I wanted to call it down goes Tucker,
2: but sorry, you, you wanted to, you yeah, wanted but, Oh, the
0: blog. Yeah. I wanted to start like a blog oh. like a sense blog back in the day. Okay. Yeah.
2: yeah, Right. 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 No, that's cool. Um, yeah, I do remember you telling me about that. You wanted to blog. I, I get it. Don't remember you saying that name, but I mean that makes sense. It's a good name.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's funny, because Tim and I were just on a other podcast there the other day, and I was telling that story, and even he was laughing. Our uh, <laughs> buddy there, because he used to cheer for the Leafs. Right, yeah. <laughs> just think it's too old, man. <laughs> yeah, that's what you told me too, Tim. Yeah.
1: Actually, on a sidebar, <laughs> does Kluche still even write anymore? Because I remember no. from hockey buzz.
0: I-, I googled him,
2: like, a few weeks ago, just because I was curious. I can't find anything. I His Twitter's gone. Like, I... I mean I hope he's still alive. I I have no idea.
1: Oh geez. So he did internet suicide. Kinda. He yeah, he just
2: he just cut himself off.
1: Yeah. Maybe smarter than all of us.
0: Could be, I don't know. You know, one thing I like, I love reading about and hearing about when it comes to writers, whether they're writing books, screenplays, blogs, etc., is their process when it comes to writing. So for you, what kind of process do you go through when you have to write a post? Are you somebody who can just stare at a blank screen and write, or are you somebody that has to let something stew for a bit and work on it until you feel it's ready to be read?
2: I mean, I have a list, like in my notes, I have a list of potential blog ideas, like, you know, in the off-season, I... Um, or before in in June, before the actual off-season begins. I'll do free agent targets and, and you know, uh, draft review and obvious stuff like that. But, you know, today, I had a blog out today that was, I listed five things regarding the Senators that I was wrong on. And, you know, I mentioned the acquiring Corey Conner. I thought that was awesome, you know. And I also mentioned um, drafting Christian Willan And I thought, you know, he was drafted as a 20-year-old. And I just... I, it was some offhand comment on Twitter about I don't think that's like the greatest pick drafting a twenty year old, and all of a sudden he's he's po- proven me wrong already. So, and that blog came about just because I I really wanted to have a blog to come out today. Uh, last night when I was um, I was trying to come up with a blog idea, and I had no idea what to do because I mean at this time of year there's really not a whole lot to talk about. So, and you know I just saw a people were retweeting a Deadspin article from June saying how bad the Vegas Golden Knights were going to be. So that just made me, that got me thinking like, oh man, like people are exposing this old take and, and, and the guy, the writer to his credit was, um, um, you know, he, he zoned up to it and say, like he said uh, a few times just how horrifically wrong he was on that. And I thought, you know, I should, I should do that. I should make a post about certain things I've been wrong on. So I think, there's no real like process that I go through every single time. It could be something like that where I just see it on Twitter and go, huh, maybe I should do that. Or I read a lot of baseball blogs as well. And, um, some, some of that transfers over. So, um, you know, they, they have cool ideas there and it, yeah, it's mainly just looking at what other people are doing, trying to kind of steal it, but put my own spin on it. But yeah. And then there's also like, the obvious low-hanging fruit like previews and, and rankings and all that stuff which um you know those are always going to get views so that's always good nice
0: i did get a chance to listen to that not listen read read that blog post there this morning i thought it was a very good job you did
2: awesome yeah thanks it's uh i think it was doing pretty well It got a uh, got a lot of comments on that one <laughs>
0: Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about the Sens blogging community and where you think it's heading. I've gotten a sense, not just in Sens blogging, but in hockey blogging in general, that there has been a shift in with some of the bigger bloggers where they're they're posting less frequently. And as a result, some newer bloggers are are beginning to really blow up. So for you, do you think this trend will continue with a new generation of bloggers emerging as a result?
2: Yeah, I'm not really sure, to be honest. You're definitely right. Like, the bigger the bigger sites are definitely not posting as much i don't i used to read SenseTrip, like when i was in high school but i haven't in a few years so i can't totally comment on him but it does seem like it's not i don't know it doesn't seem like there's as many bigger guys consistently posting stuff but um you know it, it is cool to see that all these younger guys are well and girls too are um becoming interested in blogging you know we have Colin Codmore on our on our side on Silver Seven Cents. He's younger than me, but you know he's he's done a pretty good job. Same with uh, Beata, I think that's how you pronounce it. Beata, <laughs> Elliot on on Silver Seven Cents as well. You know we're a pretty young site, but they're they're good writers. They're producing good content, and I think you know I started when I was seventeen writing, so I don't think I'm in a position <laughs> to exactly say it's it's bad that these new young writers are coming up. So I think. Yeah, I think the the blogging community will only grow and get better. I think those people who are just starting out, though, they may, you know, have some rough patches, and some of the blogs might not be totally perfect. But you know, it over the years, if if you start writing for two, three years, it it should become a lot better. So I'm hoping that the content will just, like I said, keep getting better. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, I've definitely noticed that with some of the the bigger hockey bloggers, that they have become more of a social media presence than it is with their blog posts.
2: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I would say uh, that... Guess, sorry. Oh, yeah. No, go, go ahead.
1: Uh, I guess one thing, and finish up that thought then, uh, do you think platforms like HockeyBuzz, SB Nation, and a lot of these kind of larger blog projects that pull in a bunch of bloggers are giving new bloggers uh, a good first foothold into sports journalism?
2: definitely i yeah for sure i mean there's there's plenty of people you know who work for teams now whether that's nhl mlb uh, any any of the the big four leagues they started on SB nation or even or fan cited or you know all these all these big conglomerate sites so it definitely gives um puts your gives you a foot in the door and you know i i don't necessarily know where my writing career is going to take me, but, you know, there's always a chance that it could lead to bigger and better things, and that's what I hope. But I think just the fact that SB Nation, specifically for me, is, you know, a, a well-recognized site, I think that definitely helps. And the fact that it's not just, you know, one or two writers, most of these sites at least have seven or eight quality writers. So I think that definitely helps for sure.
1: hmm uh, I guess one more question before I throw the Inquisition back to Tay. Uh, yeah. By trade, I'm an economist, and that's kind of what drew me naturally to looking at hockey through an analytical lens. Uh, I was just kind of wondering, how did you kind of start using analytics, and uh, would you call yourself a practitioner?
2: Well, how it started, definitely, I would say, probably like 2013, 14, I first got exposed to it, and it was definitely all due to Travis Yost. He, (laughs) like, 100%, he, he would post... Things about Corsi and Fenwick on on his Hockey Buzz blog, and you know I, I'd read him all the time. He'd post, he'd post daily, and you know he had he had some really good stuff. I didn't, I'll be honest, like I was ignorant at first. I didn't really understand it because he'd have these, he'd have these graphs with big colorful circles, and I had no idea what he meant. But you know once I actually read it and and tried to understand, it I was like okay, that makes sense. And then after that, it became just you know second nature. So yeah, I think. He was kind of one of the first, first few bloggers to actually post about that. Probably, I guess, five years ago now. And you know, now now it's mainstream. It's it's almost like strange not to include you know possession stats because it it's a pretty simple concept to be honest.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I remember some of those early Travis Yost graphs were. Uh, if I remember correctly, that was like he was just he was generating them off course... Of, no, War on Ice, but they were
2: yeah uh, ah, was it war? Wasn't there? Oh yeah, yeah, it was war on ice. Yeah, you're right. Yeah,
1: and uh, that really just goes to show how blessed we are with actual data science, like data scientists like Mic Micah being able to generate beautiful graphs off yeah. of just a shoestring Patreon.
2: Yeah, we're we're super lucky. I mean, there's a million good webs websites. Uh, Manny Perry's Corsica is is awesome. But then yeah, like you mentioned, like um Micah as well. He he does awesome work, and even just there's some random websites as well, and not even necessarily websites. People just post pictures on Twitter that, um, that are super helpful as well. So right now we are definitely in a, in a good time for, for advanced stats, but it's funny because if you look at baseball, we're still like, we're still probably about a decade behind because baseball is just incredible, and that's, that's definitely my second favorite sport, and I just love how easy it is to analyze and dive into the numbers.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you think baseball lends itself more naturally to an analytic eye than a sport that Travis Yost, I remember saying years ago that it takes about 70, ga- 70 games out of an 82-game season for the luck to shake out? Do you think baseball, because it has a much lower luck threshold, uh, lends itself more ac- more naturally to analytics because the errors just aren't as big?
2: Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's, it's because it's a sport that has starts and stops, right? Like, you can... You can analyze every single play. You can analyze the pitch. You can analyze the hit. You can analyze the defense, the running, everything. But with hockey, it's more everything's going on at once. So it's a lot harder to quantify one action compared to something else. Whereas baseball, it's like, okay, the pitch was thrown 98 miles an hour. It was hit 105 miles an hour. And, you know, the left fielder ran 20 feet to catch it or something. So, Mm -hmm. um it's definitely a lot easier, and <laughs> that's, I mean, you have to recognize the, it's not going to be as easy to to quantify hockey, but I think we definitely still can. It just obviously has its limitations.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely as a social scientist, I do appreciate that. Uh, I guess we could almost say that analogously, uh, ho- hockey's a social science, while baseball is a natural science. You can actually build a laboratory around one of them. Yeah, no, exactly. That makes sense.
0: mm-hmm. I got to ask, because we mentioned him right off the top, Brian, five or six. I mean, that Eric Carlson rant he posted back in February really took everyone by surprise, turning Brian into somebody who, mostly people who follow Sense blogging knew, to a guy who became an overnight sensation in the online hockey world. For you, would you have ever thought that post would have blown up the way it did for him, and were you surprised by the attention it got him?
2: I'm not really surprised by the attention, just because Brian or, I mean, that's not his real name, but I'll say Brian is, you know, he's been hilarious for years, um, and, you know, he's kind of just been the jewel in, in Sen's Twitter, in Sen's land, and, you know, I, it was only a matter of time before more people saw it, and I don't know if he's always, had always done Periscope videos, but that made it a lot easier to actually watch him, and he can see who watches it. You know, even, like, Austin Matthews, I think, pretty sure, had had watched at least one of his videos, which is just hilarious so I think it's also funny too because like on the one hand I'm super happy for him and, and this is awesome you know he's got tons of exposure and and he's raised a lot of money for um, I think it was a hospital or maybe a charity or something so he's raised a lot of money which is great but on the other hand it's it's sort of like you know if you're like a hipster who likes a really unknown band and you don't want them to become mainstream that's kind of what happened with Brian here because he's become mainstream and like everybody, Pretty much, like, all the fan bases in Canada know who he is now.
0: I'll be the first to admit, I wasn't a huge Brian 5 or 6 fan. I would watch his videos and go, yeah, okay, he's kind of doing what Steve Dangle does with his over-the-top <laughs> reactions. But I have to say, like, that video really changed me from being, oh, okay, uh, whatever, to, oh, my God, this guy is hilarious.
2: <laughs> yeah. I also think the, uh, the merchandise merchandise has made it so much better like especially with the hot some Bacho I mean that is just did you hear Dean Brown with his call in in March when Shabbat scored he literally said hot some Bacho
1: my jaw hit the floor when <laughs> <said> that.
2: <laughs> that is just that is that was probably the best moment of the season
1: I don't think yeah, I heard I about just... that
2: really oh, yeah it's on SoundCloud
1: was it Dean or was it someone else that was talking about grinder on the call because that was pretty ridiculous. That was too. Dean. That was Dean. That was Dean. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did that with the Sens call ups, too. And I was listening to that in the Ottawa airport going, Oh, you guys are jerks.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, it's man. just like being a Sens fan is just like the weird, just a weird collection of all of this shit. Like between the party city game, Brian Grinder, the owner getting, <laughs> having to pay the SEC a giant fine and being banned from being on boards. It's just ridiculous. Like, does anything this team do anything that happens to this team or this team does even surprise you anymore?
0: Nope. Never. <laughs> no, we act surprised, but it really we're just not
1: surprised anymore. What's something that could happen in twenty 2018, 2019 twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen that could legitimately surprise you?
2: Uh if they hired like an like a full analytics, like four or five People analytics team. Yeah. That would definitely surprise me.
0: Let's shift gears here a bit and talk about your sense talk show, Cosper Pointcast. As we said off the top, I mean some of the people you've had on the show is really incredible, like Ian Mendez, Travis Yos, Micah Blake McCurdy, just to name a few. When you started the show, did you see Cosper Pointcast as more of an extension with what you're doing with the Silver Seven Sens? Or did you see the show being its own separate thing?
2: Well, I mean, it's mainly, I post it to Silver 7 Cents because, you know, I, I post it to SoundCloud, which is where it's hosted, but, you know, I, I need a place to actually put it in a blog and, you know, I, I write for Silver 7 Cents, so it's it's only natural to put it in there. And I and I asked the managing, managing editor, Ross, if, if that'd be okay, and he said, yeah. So, you know, when I started it, my first guest was Callum, and obviously I've had him on three or four times, so, uh, and... At the time, he's not writing with Silver Seven anymore. But at the time, he was, so that was that was perfect. And you know, I I started the podcast because I always hear Jeff Merrick say, you know, if, if you wanna if you wanna get in, in the industry, start a blog, start a podcast. So you know, that's what I did. And I I always wanted to get you know those those top guys like like Yost and Mendez, and I've had them on, I've had them both on twice, which is which is really exciting and, and and cool to have them on so i think it definitely helps get my exposure out there and um, definitely the blog helps as well because you know it's not just people on twitter who are are seeing my podcast come out it, it's people on silver seven as well and i don't it doesn't get nearly as many article views as as a normal post would but yeah overall i think it's it's gone pretty well and you know hopefully i can keep growing it and it, it's too bad that i can't I really don't have the time to do, I'd love to do a podcast every week, but it's pretty much been more like one or two a month. So, yeah.
0: So when it comes to the guests you have on your show, are you of a mindset of this person? And I know for sure will provide great talking points for this specific topic. Or are you more of a, I would love to hear this person's opinion on the matter.
2: Uh, It depends. I mean, some of them, if it's just like a broad, if it's just like a, a random show in the middle of the season, just talking about the season. Like it it doesn't matter. Just, I'll just pick someone maybe who I haven't had on before, or maybe, or sometimes even it's just like, I asked a couple people and and they're not available. So I'll go to this person instead. But also like, I remember I wanted to have, yeah, I wanted to have Mendez on after the deadline because I knew, you know, he's a knowledgeable guy. He's, he knows what's going on around the game. So I had him on actually the day of, um, the trade deadline which was perfect timing so got that done and yeah it's it's usually just it's usually not contingent on what we're talking about besides I'd say like the draft like I've had Craig Smith uh, who's a oh he's going to hate me for this I, I forget where he writes but anyway he, he's a OHL and QMJHL scout so I've had him on a couple times to talk about the draft um, but yeah other than that it's it's not it's not too specific in terms of who i bring on
0: okay do you what are your future plans for the cost point Casks for next season
2: um well i mean over the over the off season i'll have you know i'll definitely have like a, a draft preview probably recap and free agency you know talk about any any big moves that happen over the season you know fingers crossed if if Hopefully this doesn't happen, but if Carlson is traded, that's obviously going to be an emergency mm-hmm. podcast. Um, and then going into the season, you know, pretty much same thing. Like one – definitely one podcast a month and hopefully two, but I can't really promise anything. So uh, there's there's a few more guys that I want to have on. And, like, I was able to finally get uh, Graham Nichols on, on my last episode um, of The Six Sense and, and The Athletic. Just our schedules never aligned in the past – so, yeah, there there's a few more that I'd like to get on and um yeah.
0: That's great to hear, man. So, Tim, do you have any more questions you would like to ask Trevor before we head into our game called Rapid Fire?
1: Uh yeah, I've got one. It's uh and this has been kind of this has been a trend that's been going on in uh almost all forms of print journalism, I guess over the last 5 years uh well even at the beginning of the internet, we kind of had this anomalous thing where a lot of legacy brands were giving out news for free to get people to watch the TV. That hasn't really worked, so we're seeing the erection of paywalls. Do you think that The Athletic was inevitable, and uh, do you think that that's going to be the model for sports journalism going forward? With
2: with the way that print media is dying, I I think it would have to be, right? I mean, just, like, newspapers aren't going to be a thing, it, you know in the, in the near future. I just they're dying off. they're um, they're downsizing. And you know these these websites online, they can't really survive on just on purely ad revenue. so while while I understand, you know some people you know kind of getting angry at having to pay whatever it is, like four or five bucks a month or whatever for for the athletic, at the same time, it's it's like they're gonna have to pay their writers somehow. And, you know, they've made a lot of money, the athletic and they're expanding, you know, every single day. Um, I know that the MLB writers on the athletic are incredible. There's, you know, in spring training, I saw every single day, there'd be a new writer that was joining the athletic for, you know, New York or Cleveland or Boston or whatever. So I I think we are trending in that direction. And I don't, I don't necessarily, necessarily think that's a bad thing. I mean, if that, if that means that, you know, I get to go on one of these sites and, and I get paid a bit more than I'm not going to be complaining at all. Even, even if it means I'm going to have to pay for, uh, whatever sports content I want, I want to read.
1: Yeah. It's funny because as you're like talking about the newsrooms dying, it's something we've definitely seen in my line of work where you used to get a A record like a full camera crew coming to do an interview nowadays you get a guy with a camcorder or a skype call so it's definitely being felt across the board yeah and i'm i'm very happy honestly to see the athletic make money because uh, like i love the content i get at and like it's been it's able to get guys like pierre lebrun who are like very everyone new in hockey just that much more exposure just across a whole swath of athletic subscribers so i think it's it's awesome
2: Right, and and it matters too that it has to be good content, right? It can't just be drivel. And you know, it's it's good to see. It's not like Steve Simmons is on this website, <laughs> so you know, like it's actually good good content and, and good analysis.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's well, that's the thing. A, a market will set the price at what the mar- what people will bear, and generally provide people with things they want. But then again, I guess if if people are buying the sun, someone's got to like Steve Simmons. That's true, somehow. <laughs> Somebody actually likes Steve Simmons out there? He still has a job.
0: Yeah, that's you know, that's true, I guess.
1: This is why we're the dismal scientists.
0: <laughs> so Trevor, man, we cannot thank you enough for taking some time out of your busy schedule to join us here in the Third Line Plug Sensecast. And I would like to extend an invitation to return for a second visit if you are interested.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely interested. I'm, uh, I'm always happy to come on whatever show, and uh, this, this show included.
0: That's awesome, man. So before we let you go, I was wondering if you can indulge us with a little game of Rapid Fire. All right. So Rapid Fire, for those who don't know, is a game that Jay Wright and Dan O'Toole started on the Jay and Dan podcast, the U.S. edition when they were with Fox. However, since they have moved back to Canada and started working with TSN again, they have abandoned and fire on their podcast and i've decided to just steal that idea and trade it off like it's my own <laughs> so we are gonna start with our first question and that is best drinking establishment in richmond
2: oh in richmond the buck
0: <laughs> what is one thing you would recommend to see or do in richmond if someone were to come to visit
2: oh god um steveston go to steveston
0: okay Greatest senator not named Eric Carlson or Daniel Alfredson?
2: Jason Spezza.
0: Okay. If you had to do The Amazing Race and you had to pick between Danny Heatley or Alexa Yashin as your parcher, who would you choose and why? Yay!
2: Heatley, because Yashin, I feel like he's just even more of a dick. And I think the, I don't know, he He speaks English, but like I feel like that would be a barrier, the fact that he, English is his second language. <laughs>
0: That's funny, I said Alexi Yashin when my buddy asked me because I said Yashin at least would have a more of a plan than Heatley would. Heatley would be a little more pissy with you.
2: Maybe. I don't know. It's such a tough tough decision.
0: <laughs> True. In response to your blog post this morning, Matt Pumple or Shane Prince?
2: Shane Prince all the way.
0: Okay. Now, for our final get final question here, and this was inspired by a tweet that your colleague at the Silver Seven Sen sent me. Favorite in sync jam to sing in your room?
2: uh I, I gotta plead, <laughs> plead ignorance here I, I couldn't name a single song <laughs> like a bite by, by, by title
1: <laughs> well, you could sing it for us
2: i i don't even know like if you showed me a few songs i'd be like oh yeah i know that song but that's that's pretty much all i know
1: <laughs> okay,
0: okay. <laughs> i'm, I'm Trump, showing
2: Trump. my my youth here okay that's
0: <laughs> awesome that's fair, Trevor Bonus once strap. again we cannot thank you enough uh, before we let you go though where can the people find you the Silver 7 Cents and the Cosper Per Pointcast
2: yeah so well I mean they can follow me on Twitter at ShaqTS um, and my articles obviously Silver 7 Cents I'll have you know I have about two per week there and yeah Cost Per Pointcast you can find that on iTunes SoundCloud, Stitcher yeah and that's, that's about it but uh, thanks for having me on guys
0: oh thanks for talking to us man yeah alright pleasure
2: yeah, of course. Take it easy.
0: Yeah, you too, bud. Well, Tim, with that out of the way, I guess it's time to go into our close, eh, bud? As always. Okay. First of all, guys, thank you so much for listening to the special edition of the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording them for you. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We are on SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com/slash/ThirdLinePlugSensecast. Because our bud Dave made the mention, we are on Google Play Music. You can find us on Twitter. At Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M901HoneyBadger, and I am at Great White Gipster, G R H W I T E Gipster. If you want to choose an email to talk about our interview this evening with Trevor Shackles, you can choose an email. Third Line Plug with gmail.com. Until next time, guys, I am your host, Taylor Gibson. This has been Tim Jensen. Go Sends, guys.
1: My time it is up. They're
0: going home.